1: All right. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to Black Hole Cinema. It's episode sixty-three, believe it or not. I'm Dan Taylor, and joining me this week uh, is a lifelong friend of the Black Hole Cinema and Black Hole Media crew. It's Mr. Tom East. Hello, Tom. Hi. How are you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long time since you've been on a podcast. Which was the last? One? When was the last time you did one?
3: I think the last podcast I did must have been an episode of Fan Friction, which may be July, August last year.
2: Wow, well, we'll have to brush off the uh, rust and get you back in the game. <laughs> yes. And joining us for the uh, first time uh, is Amy Walker. Hello, Amy.
4: Hi, how are you?
2: Not too bad, thank you. You're new to uh, Black Hole Cinema, but you've been writing a few articles for Black Hole Media in general. Is that right?
4: Yeah, I've done a couple of articles for the Retro Box.
2: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you've got your own blog. Is that correct?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I've got my own website that's uh, full of various reviews, uh, news articles, opinion pieces, stuff like that.
2: And that's www.transcribe.blogspot.co.uk. And obviously the transcribe's got Trans dash dash scribe.blogspot.co.uk yeah and they can find you
4: on twitter as well yeah i'm at twitter at amazing underscore amy underscore w lovely well thanks for joining us thank you for having me
2: This is the mid-month special, where basically we take a step out of what is going on right now. Um, We take a look at something a bit different in the movie world. Uh, It's something we actually have done uh, before now, uh, looking at what we're looking at today, and that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's almost becoming like an annual tradition ahead of the release of Captain America Civil War. Um, Obviously, it's only right that we look back and take a look at what happened in Phase 2. So we'll crack on straight away. I opened up uh, a poll on Facebook, Twitter and various other platforms to find out what people in the uh, World Wide Web thought about uh, Phase 2. And basically, I've collaborated all those results and put together a list uh, from least favourite to favourite Phase 2 Marvel film. Not many surprises in there, um, but there are a few that perhaps rated a little bit higher than you might have expected First off is for the dark world, which was rock bottom of everyone's list. And in fact, I think there was only a couple of people that put it quite highly. Like they, I think one put, one person put it top and another person put it second, which only pushed up, um, its score at all. Otherwise it might not even made it into double figures. Tom, you're one of the people that actually kind of put it about third or fourth on your list so i'm gonna ask you to try and uh give us a reason why it wasn't as awful as everyone else thought it was
3: oh (laughs) um i'm not gonna lie it ended up i think it was third on my list Mm. purely because i really didn't rate most of the other movies um i i like the the dark world gave us a lot more um in fact thinking about it that's that that's a lie. It didn't. I was about to say it gave us more Sif, and it doesn't. <laughs> it, doesn't. Um, it lets us see Sif in action a bit more, like at the start. But suddenly, the uh all Thor's kind of friends disappear. Mm. I do. I do really like, and this is going to be a majorly unpopular opinion, I think. Mm. But I really like the. um the human crew in the Thor movies, so like Jane Selvig, and Darcy, mm. and I really liked the scenes ironically that didn't include Thor, like the scenes where it's just like the scientist group, yeah, just like investigating all the stuff in london i I really just enjoyed that sort of aspect, and I think it's probably just because um Darcy is just such a great character that any scene she's in comes to life, and I genuinely really like Jane, maybe it's just my childhood crush and natalie portman has never gone away <laughs>
4: no.
3: um but i i just enjoyed those scenes and yes, yeah, selvig was used really weirdly in the film but i will f- i will forgive it purely for giving me more jane and darcy interactions to be honest like that that is the one thing i took from that film and was like yes this is good i enjoyed this
2: mm.
3: and also chris hemsworth's arms those are
2: always worth mentioning (laughs) it's it's actually funny that you say obviously it's perhaps an unpopular opinion that human crew being so unpopular because actually it's Selvig that's been used perhaps more than any other you know solo film character that isn't one of the main three because he's appeared in both of the Avengers films and Kat Dennings is obviously a fan's favorite but she doesn't ever really get all that much to do but do you think if it focuses on that group more and uses them and uses them in the right way that actually it might get over the issues that the second film had? Honestly,
3: I, I sort of don't want them to use Darcy more. I feel like Darcy is one of those characters that is best used sparingly. Mm-hmm. And that makes all of the moments that we do get her a lot more special. Whereas I think if the next film was to have her suddenly be like, Co-lead with him I think we'd all get <laughs> yeah. very sick of it Yeah, Because she is just one of those kind of characters Um, I mean I'm not expecting To see Jane or Darcy In the next Thor film at all mm. Selvig I think Has only had such a presence In the MCU Purely because they can sort of use him As just like an info dump like he comes in explains what scientific thing is going on and then disappears again mm. he doesn't have any real relevance to the story no. he's just sort of there to talk about just crap that no one else can really justify saying yeah he's not so much a character as the script coming to life
2: <laughs>
3: like i don't when i think of characters in the thor film selvig is Like, bottom of the list, purely because I just don't recognize him as a singular character. He doesn't seem to have any character traits apart from caring for Jane and Darcy. Like,
4: Mm.
3: he's just knowledge. That's it. He's Giles without the fun Giles. (laughs)
2: One character that you can't not think about when you think about the four films is obviously Loki. Oh. <laughs> Amy, if you if we took Loki out <laughs> of Thor two, would there be
4: anything left? I think there would be. I think Thor is getting to the point where he's becoming a stronger character the more you see him. Mm-hmm. So he could probably manage it on his own. I think Loki was an important part there, especially in the scenes with Frigga and her death that followed. I think that Myself especially, it made me like Loki a bit more I thought As much as he was enjoyable in Avengers If he carried on being like that It would have got a bit dull And So his reaction and then other people's Reactions To him kind of coming round to being A good guy again Definitely gave the film an interesting twist I think if they hadn't have had him But Use the Warriors 3 a bit more Um Like, Hogan was gone after one scene, and like Tom was saying, Sif was given hardly anything to do. If Loki wasn't in it, and they have given the Warriors 3 more screen time, it probably would have been okay. I'll give you the
2: slightly easier job of trying to pick out what's wrong with the film.
4: I think the final fight is just a bit lacklustre. Mm -hmm. They had an interesting gimmick with the portals and stuff like that, but they just didn't seem to execute it in any real fun way I, the best bit of the final fight i enjoyed was that when thor called mjolnir from space mm. cuz we'd never seen him do it from that far before it was a neat little bit but i was just starting to lose interest during the fight i i loved the action sequences before that like the siege of asgard was great mm-hmm. but they couldn't keep that going towards the end i think if you've got a mildly entertaining film throughout but the end leaves you feeling dull, it's going to ruin everything that came before it, and I think that was a big part of this film.
2: Mm. Malekith, I think, was one character that kind of wasn't perhaps used in the right way. You've got such a great actor in Christopher Eggleston, um, and the way they kind of used him, plying him with layers and layers of obviously um, makeup and kind of special effects that you kind of lost potentially what he could have brought to the film um in kind of his, you know his gravitas do you think that if they had made more of his villain that maybe it would have worked a little better and we would have uh you know the stakes would have been a little bit higher because obviously for, for me you're watching this um kind of battle unfold and you're under no illusion that thor is going to win do you think if If he would have been a more threatening villain, do you think that it would have been a little bit more effective?
4: Probably, yeah. We we did get like little hints at who he is, Mm. but we never got any real motivation other than he wants the universe in darkness. But we were never thought why. Like, what what's the point of that? He was a bit more like a Saturday morning cartoon villain than a movie villain in the sense of. They said this is his goal, but they didn't say why that was his goal, mm. what his culture's like, what he's been through in the past, and yeah, it was. If this was, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a TV show, this would be a villain of the week episode. It wouldn't be like a season arc. Yeah, and I think it's a shame that Chris Pratterson was used in that way because, like you said, he's a great actor, and under the makeup and with most of his dialogue being in Elvish as well, you, it wasn't until he started speaking English that you even got a sense that it was Christopher Eccleston, and even that was only like two or three of you actual scenes.
1: You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. You should know that when you betray me, I will kill you.
2: When do we start? For The Dark World was definitely, as I said, the least favourite film. It's almost universally kind of almost disregarded as one of the worst films uh, that Marvel had produced to date. One that kind of split opinion and I was surprised was so low on the list was Ant-Man. It was one that perhaps for some people came a lot later. Then some would have expected when, obviously, talk back along that we were going to get the Avengers. A lot of people were suggesting that Ant-Man was was going to be seen a lot earlier, that he was going to be part of the Avengers, because um, obviously, traditionally in the comic, he's part of the overall setup. Marvel chose to wait uh, until right at the end of Phase 2 to introduce him, and obviously we're expecting now to see him in, in Civil War. His film was, I think, a lot more like uh, the kind of Iron Man-style than the than the style that four or Captain America took on did it do enough for you, Tom, to be different, or was it almost just rehashing what we've seen previously
3: no i I think it made a very conscious effort to be different, and I really did quite enjoy that. I went in with like the lowest expectations mm. humanly possible for a movie ever mm. um and I don't know it, it was it was kind of light-hearted fun I enjoyed how different it was it wasn't it didn't feel like a huge hollywood blockbuster it felt Mm. sort of like i don't know maybe mm, obviously not an independent film it didn't feel like it was a marvel huge affair movie it was just sort of this is this dude he shrinks (laughs) um and like it's a dumb concept and i think the movie sort of acknowledges that it's a dumb concept so it i don't know it kind of rolls with it i I think it's enjoyable. It's I've only seen it once. So I don't think I'd ever... I have no urge to see it again, really. But okay. I enjoyed it for what it was. It, it was different. And I think that's definitely what Marvel needed.
4: Yeah.
2: They went with an interesting route with a lot of the cast. And the fact that they went with quite... I don't want to say low-budget TV. But the likes of Evangeline and Lily and um, Corey Stoll. Who, and Judy Greer. Who kind of come from that kind of um tv budget movie type background um do you think if they'd gone for the for the bigger star it would have elevated it anymore
3: oh yeah i i think with marvel obviously with any sort of company mm. if they get the bigger names it draws in a bigger audience whereas ant-man aside from like paul rudd and uh I want to say Michael Douglas, yeah Yeah. I'm really bad with names, but aside from them There's no real Sort of huge grabs Mm. Like I think, yeah, I think you're definitely right With having like a TV Sort of cast Does sort of I know, in a weird way, it almost humanizes it because that you're not like, Oh my God, look at these outstanding movie stars who look yeah. ridiculously pretty all the time. It's like, these are guys that I see on TV from like week to week. And mm. I'm very familiar with their work and they're pretty cool. I don't know. It almost feels a bit more laid back, like a laid yeah. back kind of movie, which I like.
2: Well, even the crossover character that they used, uh, Falcon obviously was perhaps the lowest paid actor on the payroll. You know, they, uh, Iron Man 2 for example had Scarlett Johansson pop up um, who Mm. obviously has become you know a massive star nowadays but even then when she appeared in Iron Man 2 you know having done stuff like Lost in Translation in the past obviously she was a big actress in her own right do you think if they'd used for example uh, had they used one of the actual big characters had they used Bobby Downey Jr or um, you know uh, Mark Ruffalo do you think it would have made any difference do you think it would have pulled more people in I feel like at that
3: point it would have just been stunt casting. Mm. Like, we're desperate for you to come see this movie. Whereas Falcon, a lot of people complained that he wasn't getting much to do in Age of Ultron.
2: Yeah,
3: And it was almost like they sort of expected people to say that. So they were like, oh, but look, he is important. Like, we love Falcon. And Falcon is just such a great character. And Anthony Mackie brings so much to him that I am glad that they used him as the crossover character because I think it adds just a little bit little bit more and I'm never gonna complain about Falcon getting more screen time. He's amazing.
2: I'm gonna put you on the spot with Paul Rudd, because he was a bit of an outside choice for the character. Was there anybody that you kinda had in mind to play him?
3: In all honesty, it's something I never really thought about because I really didn't want an Ant-Man movie. It's mm. like even knowing the film and the fact that I don't hate it, if someone said to me do you want an Ant-Man movie or do you want a different Marvel movie? I would 99.9% say I want a different one. Mm. So I think Paul Rudd did well as the character. I don't know the character from the comics all that well, yeah. but he, he's, he's likable. He wasn't, he, like, I could bear him. In other movies, he can be kind of unbearable. Mm. So I was just glad that, you know, I didn't come out of the movie being like, I fucking hate Paul Rudd.
2: <laughs> so. Amy, you placed this third on your list. What did you like about this film that made you place it so high?
4: Well, I just thought that compared to a lot of the films in Phase 2, it had a bit more of a lighter tone. Mm -hmm. It felt more enjoyable and it kind of stood out as just something different. Even though it was an origin story again, it's a guy in a suit again, because we had not really seen that origin story for a few years now and it was all... Sequels or like Guardians, a new team coming in. It was nice to just concentrate on one hero and seeing his journey and who doesn't like a good heist movie. It was, it was fun, especially when the heist's being done with a guy and a flying ant. (laughs) It's just something we've not really seen before. Um, obviously we, we, me and Tom have just discussed about the cast. Do you think they got it right or was there anybody that didn't quite work for you? No, I didn't, I didn't mind the cast. I, initially when they, said that the Ant Man we we're gonna see was Scott Lang. I, I my first reaction was, Well, why he's the most boring Ant Man we've had. <laughs> yeah. Um I I was hoping for a Hank Pym or, you know, the irredeemable Ant Man. I thought that would have been great. But the fact that they combined two of the Ant Men to sort of make Scott a bit more interesting. And then Paul Rudd is able to just play likable and sarcastic witty so well that I I found myself for the first time actually liking scott lang because of his performance so for that i i've got to give the movie a lot of respect because it took a character i'm so so about and made me think yeah i can't wait to see this guy again
2: as i said it it ranked quite low overall it was only four points ahead uh, uh, or four two um there was then quite a separation between that and the next place film and it did take the least amount of money out of the sixth film Six films on the list, but obviously being, uh, with the exception of Guns of Galaxy being the first kind of, uh, original film without, without a previous, um, film to kind of back up its, um, kind of audience. It actually did quite well. It took 500, or just over 500,000 million dollars worldwide. So it's not too bad. And I know the DVD sales also did quite well and people are looking forward to seeing him in Civil War. So I think, Overall, even though it doesn't seem like a lot of money, and even though, as I said, it took less than any other film, I think it did quite well in its own right, and it'd be interesting to see where they go next with the character, whether they go down the route of Captain America and Iron Man 4, etc., and they roll out the sequels in the future, or whether they concentrate on bringing in all these next heroes that they've got to bring in that we're all obviously already aware of, uh, Black Panther and um, uh, Doctor Strange, etc.
1: There's no reason to be scared. Oh, no, no, Daddy don't get scared. Good.
4: How'd you do that, bro? Don't freak out. Look at your shoulder.
3: Ah! I'm Ant-Man. I know. It wasn't my
1: idea.
2: Obviously, the film that's next on our list brought most of these characters together, um, and for <laughs> for a number of reasons... It didn't really work, and it certainly wasn't as good as its predecessor, and that was Avengers Age of Ultron.
1: I was designed to save the world. People would look to the sky and see... ...hope. I'll take that from them first.
2: Tom,
3: <laughs> hello. Avengers:
2: Age of Ultron. Uh, again, you ranked that quite low. Is that the right? Lowest. Yeah, the lowest of the low. And you were not alone when you put that uh, when when you placed it there. Why was it such a train wreck?
3: I think that f- it's literally compared to the first Avengers film, which a lot of people, not even just huge Marvel fans, but a lot of just casual moviegoers, will say is such a I don't think groundbreaking is the word, but it it is such an enjoyable film. Mm. Age of Ultron just it's it's not the most flawed film in the world, but the fact that it's the sequel to one of the most loved films of the last 10 years just means yeah. that it just fucks itself over. And I don't know, I think it is possibly that the hype was so high mm. that it was it was impossible for anyone to match up to that. So, going in, everyone had all these expectations. Marvel was never going to meet that, like, all of the expectations that everyone had. But I I think it was really fumbled. I don't know if it was in production, or if it was the writing, or if just Joss Whedon was too tired to make the film. Like, I don't know. It it felt like they had an idea, and then they played, like, hot potato with it, and it got on the floor, it got a bit messy... They picked it back up, they started throwing it around again and by the end they were like, yeah, this is totally an eatable potato and it's not. (laughs) I don't know why I went with the potato metaphor, but (laughs) I feel like it applies.
2: Honestly, one of the things that the first Avengers film was kind of praised for was how they brought together all these characters from these different movies and did it so well. Amy, do you think that's where Age of Ultron went wrong? Is that They were adding even more characters to the mix and this time they just couldn't get the balance right.
4: Yeah, it was the, the introduction of new characters was always going to be difficult because you've already got a team of six and then you're adding three more to the mix. It's whilst it might work in comics month to month on screen in an hour and a half, two hours, you, you're going to start losing time to focus on those characters. Mm. And I think it definitely played into that territory. You know, they, they did do some good things like you got a lot more Hawkeye than I was expecting. Um, but he was pretty much the only character who actually got anything from the film, Um like Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver were hardly there, the Vision, who they utilised in the action sequences amazingly, had very little explanation, like I, I I know people who aren't familiar with the comics who turn around after asking, well what is this guy, what can he do, like his powers seem to be all over the place. They they didn't really get a feel for who he is. Mm. And whilst that might come in the future, I think it definitely detracts from this one film. And it's it's a shame because it just, even from the outset, it, it felt a bit forced. Um, the fact that the Avengers were hunting down a Hydra base at the beginning, and they make mention of it being yet another Hydra base. It's like, well, why why have you come together to hunt Hydra bases? There's, there's nothing... To suggest they'd been doing that before, even like a mention as an offhand line in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it just felt like they didn't know why they should all be together at the start of the film. So they just made up, well, they're they're hunting Hydra. And it, it just felt that considering everything that happened in the other characters' films, where the Avengers didn't come together, it just felt like a really weak excuse to have them all together at the start.
2: Mm. Uh, Tom, you talked about how the hype perhaps, you know, was potential, the, potentially the downfall of the film. I remember watching the trailers and being so excited about the film and the trailers were done so well. Do you think actually that again, the trailers contributed to the fact that we saw quite a bit of the film before we even saw it?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't go into the film knowing the entire plot, but every time I think of this movie, I just get overwhelmed with disappointment. (laughs) And yeah, I definitely think the trailers were, they were very good trailers, Hmm. but How many times like in today's society Especially in the last couple of years Do we have amazing trailers For movies that turn out to be utter shit (laughs) Like I've sort of just learned To either not watch trailers Or just don't pay attention to them Because they're going to Shovel the best bits in And then you're either going to be spoiled Or you're going to be like Oh in context it's kind of lame And it just so happens that This entire movie in context Is lame
2: it's something actually we've talked about recently on on the podcast actually that how the best trailers recently are the ones that don't tell you anything at all and the ones that overshare as you said end up falling flat because you're like well in context it do- doesn't really work it looks nice but it doesn't really say anything doesn't really do anything new and amy that's what you mentioned about hawkeye he's the only character we actually learn anything new about and I remember before the film when we were told that we were getting Ultron, comic book fans in particular being so excited that we're getting this fantastic, uh, comic book villain because, as far as I'm concerned, Marvel don't have too many brilliant, memorable, um, villains. Not like, the DC, not like DC comics where, you know, you've got them coming out your ass. Um, <laughs> in Marvel, you know, you've got so few really iconic villains that people were excited to get Ultron why do you think it didn't work? What what went wrong with Ultron? What didn't they do?
4: Well, he didn't really feel very much like the Ultron from the comics. Mm. Um, obviously, the comics have had years to build up on his character, but he he just felt a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put that down to the performance. I, I thought James Spader was brilliant. Um, having most recently, before Avengers, seen him in the office. I know that he can exude menace just from playing a guy in an office building. So when they cast him as a killer robot, I thought, yeah, great. <laughs> um, but it was moments where he's like having one of his rants, and he suddenly forgets the word children, or when he attacks Andy Circus and then starts apologizing. It felt a bit all over the place, and mm. it didn't really work. Especially the whole idea that he's forgetting. What words to use It's like, well, he's absorbed the internet Surely that would be just Something he'd be able to do He'd remember everything And it just, it didn't really make much sense The way he was used Like, why he ca- he actually seemed to care about Wanda at the end as well Telling her to, to leave before she died It's like, well, you were going to wipe out humanity Why do you care about this one? It's, yeah It, it, it felt like they didn't really know How to use him in yeah. the context of the film
2: the other characters that have been criticised for perhaps not being used correctly, or, or, or shall we say the way they were used kind of upset quite a lot of people, um, was obviously the romance between Hulk and Black Widow. Personally, I really like that relationship and I think it works really well. The criticism that I can understand from people is that it kind of feels like it comes from nowhere and that we don't get the context of their relationship. Tom, have you got any kind of opinion on them? (laughs) I have a very strong opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Might
3: (laughs) they are, I think, the move.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: V's biggest failure. Mm. And I understand that Scarlett Johansson was pregnant during the filming, so there was, as horrible as it sounds, a limitation on what the character could do. Mm-hmm. Without having to use stunt doubles and stuff. But it just feels that they took Natasha's character from what had been established in Avengers and uh, Winter Soldier. I definitely almost misnamed that then, which is embarrassing. <laughs> and they kind of took that character and just went, yeah, but what if she was like this instead? And they sort of made like her into a pet owner where the Hulk is her dog. <laughs> Um and, and like she has <laughs>
1: yeah
3: and like her superpower is calming the dog down and like I don't care for the Hulk I've always said this I think he's a dull character Mark Ruffalo seems lovely but it's a fucking dull character and what I loved about the first Avengers movie and I'd say the second Captain America movie as well actually that qualifies is that there is no love story like we don't need one mm-hmm. we don't and that's one of the big things a lot of people dislike about the Thor movies. They don't like that the Thor and Jane plot takes up so much time. Yeah. I think Tony and Pepper work because the actors bounce off each other so, so well. But we don't need a love story, especially in the Avengers movie, where people are literally there to see superheroes come together. We're like, in the first movie, they went out of their way to be like, no, Hawkeye and Black Widow not dating this, like, Well, in fact, they didn't go out of the way to say it didn't happen, but it wasn't a focus. And then in this movie, Black Widow's whole plot line is the Hulk. And it's... it One, it feels demeaning to the character. Two, it feels just... it Not unfair to the audience, but it feels like you're sort of dragging them down. Like, they go in expecting more of what they see in the first one. Instead, it's like, yeah, there's more, but there's also this romantic plot line which has come from nowhere, leads to nowhere, and sidelines possibly one of the best characters in the whole MCU. And it's just... I don't know whose idea it was, but I really want to go in and just throttle them because it's just the one thing that brings the whole movie down. And I think the fact that that plot line soured me so much makes all of the other somewhat forgivable mistakes that the movies makes so much worse because i'm like Mm -hmm. you fucked up this one big thing and now i can't help but notice all the other ways you fucked up because like i'm sure there's ways in the first avengers movie which uh which are not quite as great like captain america's suit but we're sort of willing to forgive that because the movie is good
2: Mm, yeah
3: but with this it just kind of It kind of clings to everything else and drags it down with it. It's like an octopus. It's not a ship, it's an octopus. Dragging all the other ships down into the ocean so everyone drowns.
1: Yeah, whosoever be he worthy shall have the power. Whatever, man, it's a trick. it is much more than that, my friend. If I lift it, do I get to rule Asgard? Yes, of course. I will be fair but firmly cruel. Be right back. Are you even pulling? Are you on my team?
3: Just represent, pull. All right, let's go. Come on, (laughs) Cap.
2: Nothing.
0: Oh, no, no, that's not a question I need answered.
2: The handle's imprinted. Whosoever is carrying Thor's fingerprints
3: is, I think, the literal translation. Yes, well, that's a very interesting theory.
0: I have a simpler one. You're all not worthy.
2: We're well, moving from one character that went from being an all-powerful, ass-kicking woman to apparently a sniveling mess, uh, to a character that went from a sniveling mess to a really powerful, badass character. And the next film, obviously, is Iron Man 3. This was rock bottom of your list, Amy. And I feel like it might be a contentious issue. Uh, <laughs> why, <what? laughs> is there a reason you hate it so much?
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, And I know it's something that not everyone agrees with. Um, The biggest issue for me was the Mandarin. As someone who, I came to the Marvel films having already read the comic, so I had seen a lot of Mandarin. I knew his backstory. And in the first two films, you get teasers of him. And that was all very cool. And then the trailers started coming out, and it's all building up Mandarin. And we me and my friend are watching it. We're sitting there. In the cinema, and then you get the scene with is it Trevor? His yeah. name of the film. Um and me and my friend Art we went from enjoying the film to having to resist the urge to walk out. It it angered us more than anything else. It it mm. felt like they took the most iconic character for Iron Man, his ultimate enemy, and used him for a cinema laugh. And whilst I understand Why they did that and the way they make it work in the film. And it does work for that plot. It just felt like a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. As a comic reader, it would be like the equivalent of if they spent three films building up the Joker for Batman. And then when he finally goes up against him, he's a front man for a character from one story arc of Batman's history. It, you know, it, they wouldn't do it to something like that or Lex Luthor. I don't think they should have done it with the Mandarin, and even on my rewatch, where I found more enjoyment in the film than I first did, knowing that was coming still had me just disliking the whole film, and it's it's made Iron Man 3 my most hated of all the Marvel films, not just Phase 2, but the, the whole lot. And it really cemented the idea for me that whilst he might work well in a team, I don't think they know how to do Iron Man as a solo film Mm. they just don't really give him very good villains and one of his best ones other than a giant dragon um, has now been messed up
2: yeah I'm I'm partly hoping that it was uh it's going to be a double cross type situation where the mandarin the real mandarin will pop up someday in the future and this was kind of a ruse and while i can completely understand how frustrating it is for you and i'm sure a lot of other comic book fans particularly people that are fans of, of the iron man comics obviously not being a reader myself obviously i didn't have that same frustration in fact i thought the twist was was really smart and really funny so from you know from someone that's just a fan of the films it really worked and for me iron man 3 is well it is it's nowhere close to <laughs> the top two films um, a, fa- a phase two, but uh, apart from everything else, it was definitely a lot higher up simply because it, it worked so well. I think from, from the opening scene, having blue double D double die, I bloody love that song. I've forgotten it even existed. So I think about if you take one thing from that film, it reminded me that song existed, but mm-hmm. otherwise it worked really well. And I think it used Pepper Potts well as well. I think she was, she was a character I never really liked until that film, mostly because I think Gwyneth Paltrow needs a slap in the face taking that taking that aside <laughs> taking that out of the equation I wasn't a fan of the character and uh, Iron Man 3 actually made me interested in her again and just... although they took away her superpowers at the end if yeah she'd had that, that would have been much cooler I think then people would be going well why is she not in the Avengers why is she not you know she can be in the Avengers can't she and then you've got another character that you've got to add, <laughs> add into the mix Someone that they don't have a contract for, clearly. She was over... Although they have
3: now had to do that for civil war because people were like, But where is she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they still encountered that problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. Well, it's a bit like um uh the wasp as well. Obviously they originally weren't gonna really use her much again, but obviously they've had to now use her because obviously they've established that she's the the, the wasp, so they've now got to use her. I don't know quite how they're going to do it in Civil War because I think they're getting to that Age of Ultron scenario where there's going to be too many characters flying around. But, you know, I I still hold up hope. But Iron Man 3, it worked really well because it concentrated on that relationship more than anything. It concentrated on the relationship between Tony and Pepper and it worked really well. And there were some great set pieces in it. The the whole the whole thing with the the suits exploding, creating fireworks was brilliant. And as I said, even though I can understand the frustration with the Mandarin and knowing more about the character now, I can de- definitely see that frustration more. It worked in that moment for me. And yeah. I'm assuming it also worked a lot, uh, you know, for other non-comic book reader fans. And as I said, I do hope they bring that character back because knowing now who he is um, and how important he is to the universe of Iron Man, let alone the, the wider universe. It would be good if they somehow double crossed us again. <laughs>
4: well, have, have you seen the um, on the Blu-rays? They do those mini ten-minute. Yeah. Things. The I think it's called "All Hail the King." It's it follows Trevor in prison, mm-hmm. and um, it's showing you that he's sort of even whilst in prison, still playing the Mandarin, and he's intrigued. So because a bit of a celebrity by the other. And at the end, um, he gets broken out by people who he doesn't even know. And he's like, well, what's going on? What what is all this? And the person who's breaking him out saying, oh, our our boss wants to see you. He's angry that you took his name. We're here from the Mandarin. Yeah. So they've done that because they saw the backlash and thought, "Um, okay, we might not use the Mandarin, but if we throw this in there, it might make people go, okay, so it wasn't the real Mandarin.
2: Yeah. They're out there. Also, also covering their asses going, Oh, no, we did do it. Did you not see the DVD extras? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, it kind of was middle of the road, wasn't it, for you? It wasn't quite as far down as bottom of the list, but it wasn't third. What worked, what didn't work for you? I, I am a sucker for, um,
3: female characters, just kind of showing up the male heroes who mm. is their movie. I've always loved Pe- Pepper parts, and while I can understand that Gwyneth Powter is a bit polarizing, I think just Pepper is a great character. I like that she's kind of, I like that she's smart in a different way from Tony. I like that she's always got like a really good comeback, and then I like that in this film that she's not afraid to one save Tony's ass at multiple occasions. I must add. Yeah. Um. And I like that she does get into the thick of it, and um. So I think Pepper really works for this film. I I don't know if there's anything that for me didn't actually work i think when i was in the cinema i was actually confused by the mandarin twist but i'm a bit slow so (laughs) that's not really surprised i think the reason this ended up being so high on my list i think it was like third or something was purely because there was nothing in the movie that i hated or like majorly disliked or just kind of bored me it it it's just a good movie like i could sit down and watch it and be like yeah cool done that Mm. Uh, it, it's very I hasten to say it middle of the road but it's like a nice road with like nice countryside to look at
2: <laughs> I think it's I think it's like Iron Man the original Iron man it's one actually that is quite watchable and you can can watch again
1: ladies children sheep some people call me a terrorist consider myself a teacher lesson number one heroes there is no such thing
2: moving on to the top two but well, it's no surprise that these two are the top two they're kind of universally accepted as as the best of the bunch pretty much um and i don't think the order surprises too many people In second place was Captain America the Winter Soldier. Number one was Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll talk about shortly. But first, Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is an awesome film and was my top choice. The reason it was my top choice was because I didn't like Captain America 1. I There were elements that I liked (laughs) there were elements that I liked and I wanted to like it, but I just wasn't really behind uh, Chris Evans and it just didn't quite work for me. and I think Red Skull kind of was underused and underappreciated. And I uh, kind of I hope that the rumors are true that he ended up coming back and be, being used in the future. Because um, I think they could have done so much more with him. And I went into Winter Soldier with the lowest expectations possible, thinking, oh, it'd be all right. You know, it probably will be just like 4-2 and I'll be disappointed. However, it was brilliant. It was... It is something completely new, um, and it took not only Captain America in, in a different direction, but obviously took the whole universe in a completely different direction, which have ramifications for the whole of the MCU and obviously for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, which is well worth sticking by if anybody isn't watching it. Yeah. I recommend getting back on it because it actually has recovered itself after a pretty traumatic train crash of a season in season one. But Captain America... Winter Soldier worked really well, used Falcon brilliantly, uh, used Black Widow brilliantly. And for the first time, because even in Avengers, I still was not completely convinced by Chris Evans as Captain America. It was this film, Winter Soldier, that I thought, yeah, it works. I can see why people really like this character. And as I said, it was something completely different. It took a a slight switch in genre. The the, the first one was kind of a a typical kind of origin story. This one decided to concentrate on... I guess the politics um, of the whole universe, and it seems to be the thing that they've stuck with in the third film. Um, if obviously the uh, rumours and summaries etc. are are true, is that they they seem to have gone okay. Captain America will concentrate on the politics of this, and that's why it really worked. Tom, I know you love this film as well. <laughs>
3: I do. This is not even just Marvel. This is one of my favourite movies of all time. I absolutely adore this movie. I mean, I've always thought Captain America, ironically, coming from a British person, I think he's a great hero. I like the fact that he stands for not his country, but the people in it. Mm. He stands for maybe it's not what the kind of... mm, I hasten to say majority, but I mean, I basically mean the straight white men. He doesn't just stand for those. He stands for like minorities as well. He's a character that knows, he knows the people and he knows what they need and how to care about that without coming across as like a a saviour kind of character. Mm. And I think Winter Soldier does a really good job of showing him as somebody who is not easily trusting, but. He knows who, deep down, is a good person. It's in through his interactions with Natasha. It's in with how he bonds with Sam. And I just think this movie... I I love the first Captain America movie. And I love his interactions with Peggy, with Howard, which I think are way too few. But I like that in this movie you see Steve as a person Mm -hmm. who, who can befriend people like Sam who can make Natasha open up more. Um, I, I wish we got to see more of his relationship with Sharon Carter. I think that would have been great. I feel like she was the only sort of underwhelming part of the movie because she's never given that much. But I think the fact that this movie goes out of its way to make all of its characters so human and maybe not relatable because we can't all relate to superheroes but you you don't look at them and go this is like a one-dimensional character You'd like you can see they've got layers they're, they're they're real so to speak and i think that's one of the things that that is really enjoy about this film
2: the russo brothers obviously have been praised very highly do you think that they are the future of um the mcu amy
4: um well i think putting it in their hands would be really cool based on what i've seen so far um winter soldier like like Tom saying it's myself it's not just one of the best comic book movies it's just an all-round great movie mm. if you put the superheroics out of it it would still be brilliant and it seemed to do more world building than almost any of the other films even phase one so if they can keep that mix of superheroics and realism and character development and carry that forward. I think it could be a really good thing. I know Civil War's coming next, and there's a lot of heroes in that, and it could easily become overwhelmed. But I think I've got more confidence in <coughs> the Russo brothers being able to do that now than if they'd have turned around and said, Whedon's doing Civil War after Ultron."
2: Robert Redford also stars in this as Alexander Pierce. Tom is he's, he's fantastic in this. What, what did he bring to the performance that was that was interesting?
3: I'm not gonna lie. Pr- previously to this movie had no idea who the fuck Robert Redford was <laughs> the only thing i'd seen him in was the great gatsby and i'd only seen 2 minutes of that film where he does just the worst smile i've ever seen a person pull <laughs> i i think he works because he he's sort of got that whole trustworthy father figure about him but then that's very very quickly like ripped away um and i don't know i think the fact he plays it is so cool, like you never see him get overly angry. He's always very, it always feels like he's in control of the situation, even when he's not. Yeah. And I think the fact that he can do that as a villain, I think that makes him very effective. Um, and it, it's just nice to see he's not crazy like Loki. He's not, you know, mini Hitler like Red Skull. He's, he's just sort of, he's a modern, gentleman who just takes everything in his stride and i think that's what's sort of chilling because you know you kind of start thinking he is a i think he's very clearly written as a reflection of real politicians and real leaders who are equally as like well-spoken and respected so to speak and i think that's what one of the movie does so well it it reflects real life with superhero elements And I think um Pierce's presence in the movie Is just another reflection of that And I think that's what makes him Almost so chilling Is that you can kind of Almost imagine this person In real life
2: He also looks a bit like Donald Trump <laughs> Oh he does But that's offensive to Robert Redford
3: Yeah so. it,
2: it is I feel sorry for that He has the same kind of hair You're saying about
4: what he looks like This is going to come across As a bit offensive as well But when when I was watching the film, I was half expecting at the end for his face to come off and it'd be the Red Skull. And my main reason for thinking that was, I looked at his face and went, Yeah, I could see that being a mask. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I in fact, I thought it was going to be like a Scooby-Doo thing. Like yeah, awesome. when he's down on the floor, they were just going to like grab him by the hair, rip it off and oh my God, he's Red Skull. But no, no, the movie did not do that. That's my one disappointment that there was no Scooby-Doo <laughs> reveal
1: coming up on the drop zone cap
0: you do anything fun saturday night
1: well all the guys in my barbershop quartet are dead so no not really
0: you know if you ask kristen out from statistics you'd probably
3: say yes
1: that's why i don't ask too shy or too scared too busy
2: was he wearing a parachute no no he wasn't why we all put captain america as our top choice a lot of people put Guardians of the Galaxy as their top choice, and I completely can respect why they would do that. Why was the film so groundbreaking, Tom, do you think?
3: I think it was groundbreaking because, aside from hardcore comic fans, nobody had a fucking idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy were before this movie. Um, I certainly had no idea. And it came in with a great trailer, And then it delivered with a great movie with a great cast. And it just, it ticked all the right boxes after Avengers is always going to be hard to follow. And then Iron Man 3 and Captain America, they all provided something different. Guardians just came in and sort of provided something that was even more far out. And I think that's why a lot of people connected to it. I mean, obviously, Chris Pratt is very charismatic the, the effects are great. Everybody loves Groot and Rocket. Um, I, I think it's just different. And that's why people enjoy it so much. It's not, I don't even know it. I mean, it's a team up movie like the Avengers, but it's, you can't really compare the two. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I think aside from Captain America, if I was going to sit down and rewatch any Marvel movie, movie, um, movie, it would probably be Guardians. It just seems like a lot of, a lot of fun. You can, switch your brain off, just enjoy the fact that there's a giant tree talking and it's the end of the movie and you're crying and life doesn't make sense and...
2: I, I don't know. It's, it, it's just good. If you've got any criticisms of the film, Amy, what would they be?
4: really no. There's not much about it I would criticise. <laughs> um, I guess if I'm going to pick for it, my, my only thing would be I'd have liked more Thanos because he was amazing. A bit more of that would have been great, but that's only if I'm really, really looking for something to be wrong with the film. Everything
2: else, I enjoy, it. yeah. Where do, you, where do you think they're gonna go next with it, Tom? Like, how, how do they go to Guardians of the Galaxy 2? You know, what are they gonna do? I'm not gonna lie,
3: I have no fucking idea. <laughs> like, I couldn't, I can't, I still can't even begin to comprehend the first movie. <laughs> so, I think with every other franchise in Marvel, it's, it's fairly easy to go where they're going next. Like Marvel's, it's, it's good movie making. It's not always groundbreaking movie making. Oh God, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Um, but Guardians is, is so out there that I, I mean, I don't know the source material. I'm sure there's people who know, that, who are familiar with the source material. Maybe I have to go, Oh, but, they could adapt this arc, it's kind of set it up. I mean, I guess we'll find out more about, uh, Star-Lord's past and his parentage. But, I don't know. I, I feel like whatever the volume two is gonna be, it's gonna be different, it's gonna be exciting, and I almost just wanna tune out of, like, any spoilers that come out, any casting. So that I can just go into the movie and be as surprised as I was with the first one, and I feel like that'll make me enjoy the film a lot more. I I don't want to go in with expectations. Age of Ultron let me down enough, so I'm just trying to I'm just trying to remain neutral until I'm in the cinema.
1: I come from Earth, a planet of outlaws. My name is Peter Quill. There's one other name you might know me by: Star Lord who star lord man legendary outlaw guys forget it drax aka the destroyer Gamora, surgically modified and trained as a living weapon subject 89 p13 calls itself rocket what the hell they call it brute i'm brute ain't no thing like me except me they call themselves the guardians of the galaxy this might not be the best
2: idea even though we're trying to remain neutral uh before we sign out civil war what is the one thing that you're most excited about aim me up first
4: i'm looking forward to seeing more bucky um as much as everyone's excited for Spider-Man, i i love bucky in the books i think he's great and the bit from the trailer where him and cat are just the shit out of Iron Man. awesome I can't
3: wait to see that Tom? I just really want to see Iron Man get his ass handed to him He's such a smug fucker <laughs> um, And also, realistically I'm excited to see more Sharon Carter I think I'm not quite sure what they're doing with her in this movie There's some stuff that was in the latest trailer I just want to know more about her She seems like a character that has not been utilised nearly enough So she's the one person I'm really looking forward to seeing more of in this movie
2: I'm looking forward to uh, Black Panther. I'm really, really uh, looking forward to his solo film, but I think this is going to be a good introduction for him. I think unlike uh, Age of Ultron, he seems to be, well, obviously they're introducing Spider-Man, but he's he's someone we're kind of already familiar with. He's uh, Whereas Black Panther is the only real, shall we say, new hero that we haven't seen cinematically before. Uh, So I hope that he'll get the screen time that, arguably wonder etc didn't get uh, in age of ultron so fingers crossed uh, black Panther will be somebody that everybody will be getting behind um ahead of phase three <laughs> thank you guys for joining me it's been a nice chat about uh, phase two of uh, the marvel cinematic universe tom where can we find you if anybody wants to check you out apart from the street i yeah <laughs> good joke um i don't really have
3: much of a social media presence at the minute but i do a lot of cosplay stuff and i'm starting to go into photography so if you do want to see any of that you can find me on facebook at loser king tommy
2: and as we mentioned at the beginning of the show amy you've got a, a website and twitter feel free to plug that again
4: yeah uh my website is trans-scribe.blogspot.com uh, and my twitter is at amazing underscore amy
2: Thank you. And you can find me on Twitter at Dan Thomas Taylor. You can find uh, the podcast at Black Hole Cinema. You can also go to our website, www.blackholepodcast.com. You can check out Black Hole Media both on Facebook. You can join our little group and uh, join in with all the uh, film and TV related chat that we have on there. You can also check us out on Twitter um, at Black Hole Media. So the whole host are things for you to go and find. So, go away, go away, and go find them all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys again for joining me, and I will see uh, you guys, the listeners, at the end of the month for our monthly roundup. Thank you very much. Bye bye.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.